welcome to The Bowl, a podcast shedding light on gendered violence. In each edition, we'll explore aspects of this violence. What is thought about it, what we know about it, or what is yet to be revealed. The Bulb is a podcast series brought to you by the Queensland Centre for Domestic and Family Violence Research. Thank you for joining us as we share knowledge to improve the lives of women and their children. CQ University colleagues Jamie and Larissa bring light to the experience of being social workers responding to gendered and family violence in this episode of The Bulb. Hi everybody, um, you're listening to a podcast with uh, two Aboriginal social workers. Um, but before we get started, I'd like to acknowledge the Durrumbal people, traditional custodians on whose land that we are meeting today. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. We've been asked by the Queensland Centre for Domestic and Family Violence Research to have a yarn, um, share some insight and um, hopefully um, listeners will be able to um, get something out of what what we are going to share as well. So hmm, that's our goal. <laughs> All right. Um, so... We do have some discussion um, points here to to talk to, but before we get into that, let's um, I'll introduce my fellow co-host here, Larissa Fakwandi. Hello, Larissa, where are you from? Well, you know, so on my grandfather's side, I, that's where I'll talk from, but it's uh, on my dad's father's side, Gungaloo country, and Eamon, and Similar to you, Jamie, and you'll <laughs> say that, but it's um, along the Dawson River. So, and then where are you from, Jamie? Yep, identify as um, a Gungaloo woman with connections to the Dawson River there, thanks to yep, my dad's site. Mm. All right, well, um, I think we might get started. Excellent. How does that sound, Larissa? Yeah, let's do it. Let's see how this goes and who knows, it's only the first of many, you know, see where this journey takes us. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that sounds good. I like the sound of that. Um, So one of the things that um, we often get asked is what's it like being a woman working in gendered violence or working in uh, domestic and family violence space? And um, really, it's, there's no short answers to it. So, um, I mean, for me, um, well, it's a global issue. It's, it's a pandemic like what we're going through um, with COVID. But, um, yeah, it's just um, I really don't think that people, the wider public, um, grasp the seriousness of um, violence, intimate partner, gendered violence. What are yeah. your thoughts, Larissa? Um, my thoughts on that and, and just through experience and seeing how people are navigating through the impacts of 
this gendered violence, family violence, domestic violence. Uh, it, it's something that is very hidden. And um, for one reason or the other, the person who's been affected individually or through that family structure, um, there, there might be a bit of, of shame to that. That's why it's not being brought up or, or fear. So, so there's a lot of other things impacting on why that individual um, can't come forward for whatever reason and say, and put their hand up or say, or you know, reach out for that support. What this actually is for them? This is this is gendered violence, domestic violence, family violence, and how it's impacting on them. So mm -hmm. that's what I'm finding out there is that uh, a lot of resistance to re to reach mm -hmm. out and and seek that support and help from community, from family members. Yeah. Yeah, because um, I I think there is some some level of um shame mm. and well because you know we're it, in the household we're closed in we're isolated we're behind closed doors in private but really such a public issue I think the impact of it goes deeper than just and it overflows and spills out into into the public and it affects everyone in the sense that if if there's a woman who's having to deal with the impact of what that abuse looks like to them, um, it could lead to not showing up for work, not being an effective parent, not caring for herself, not attending to those basic needs that, that she would if she wasn't impacted from the stress and the strains of that violence that she's experiencing. So that today and, 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 and what we need to bring to the forefront is why this is such a uh, need for everyone to pull in and support each other to prevent this pandemic or to, to address yeah. and support the needs of those being affected by the violence. Yes, that's right. Because, um, and, you know, as um, social workers, mm. um, not, we're not always going to get it right, or as workers in the field, we're not always going to get it right, but we we reflect and we learn from that and we make a, a big effort next time to ensure that, you know, we're on track, we're on task with who we need to support, um, what we need to do and what what the individual, what the woman and the families and the children um, need to do as well. So mm, that's a good point. So I think, um, yeah, and just never losing sight of knowing um, that you need to be sometimes the voice of of those who are affected, and that's where that advocacy comes into play, I guess. And you know, I think Jamie, when we're talking about advocacy and, and and the community involvement in the situation, you don't need to have a degree. You don't need to have some certificate. When we're looking at it, it could be somebody's mum, somebody's daughter, somebody's auntie's sister, mm -hmm. friend, and um, and that, that goes from all ages. So when you 
you know, times like this, it brings to the forefront that um, the impacts are far and wide and they actually mm. don't have, uh, they're not just like, it's something that impacts a certain culture, a certain age, a certain, even even gender specific when we're talking about mm. genders because we're talking about transgenders and, and, and the other aspects of what somebody's sexual identity is. So the impacts That's are right. far and wide especially in today's climate. Yeah, that's right. So what gives us hope in this area, Larissa? Actually, what you know, I thought about this and what would give us hope is that um, knowing that there's more awareness being brought to the forefront and, and thankfully on a, you know, being a social worker and looking at it from a systemic point of view, it's, there's, the, there's, media is promoting it and it and you know it depends on you know this doesn't matter who they're promoting but it highlights that it's uh domestic violence affects all socioeconomic backgrounds not just you know the stereotypical and being a social worker again like you see it and the the biases mm -hmm. that go past just um even growing up so then seeing the change over time and how government's taking on some of the the weight of the cause to promote um, safety for women and children and families and protection against this domestic family and gender violence now. So th there's that hope that um, awareness has been brought. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, well, that's right, because we all need to step up, don't mm. we? You know? Um, don't be silent. Don't be don't don't be a bystander. That's right. It's such a heavy conversation, and and there's no um, there's the only light at the end of this tunnel is when we all start coming together and addressing it together. But the seriousness of it, and and whoever's listening to this podcast today, I think it would there's something that would resonate. In, each individual that gets to hear this today and how they've seen someone and how they've been impacted. And and mm. if this brings light to them that the next time they hear about it, then they know how to take those steps forward in helping support that person out of what that domestic family or gendered violence looks like for them. Yeah, that's right. It's recognising mm. the signs and responding the best way possible, the safest way possible. Mm -hmm. um, and it, and I think um, what gives me hope in this area is the commitment of workers because, um, you know, there's some solid people out there doing some really solid stuff. Um, but, um, yeah, we just need to be consistent with that and because, um, yeah, at the same time, violence is still happening so we can't afford to to relax and drop the ball and be so complacent so i think it's yeah. the, yes that's right yeah so i guess um i'd be interested to hear your thoughts on what lessons um that you can share with new workers who are coming into the field like what yeah. would be um some like the abc or you know the main lessons important valuable lessons I think for new workers. Yeah. 
what it takes for somebody to get out of domestic violence, what it takes for that individual is a long journey. It doesn't um, happen overnight. Like you could send that lady to a shelter one week on a Friday afternoon and through the grapevine you've heard that she's back with that partner or, you know, back in the cycle, but it takes, a, you know, eight or more times. It's not just that one time of leaving. So for the new workers in in that space, it's about understanding what um, that cycle looks like and also having self-care and, and not taking it to, like so so personal. It's actually a journey. And when you look at it in a framework or a context where it's not taking it personal, then you're mm. giving yourself that boundary and that self-care where, you know, this, this is this is going to be a journey. It's not just a, well, like they say, like it's a, you know, it's a marathon. It's going to take some time, not just a race and it's not over in, in a weekend or a night. Yeah, that's. Yeah, that's right. I think um, to use a metaphor, you've got to be that deadly long-distance runner, yeah. Yeah. you know. For longevity in this um, space, that's right, as a sport worker or helping, helping in that space, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So you've got to be that long-distance runner and, um, and yeah, sometimes um, – like we're so sometimes we get caught up with what we need to say and what we need to do, but sometimes it's it's often what is not being said that we need to also pay attention to, and like for a worker and for um, the people, the clients that we're supporting and providing support for. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely, and one thing, sorry, Jamie, one thing that came to mind as well is you know when we're looking at lessons for the new workers in that space is um, just being mindful about um, what she wants. We could say all day being, you know, a professional or with the training and knowledge, but if it doesn't work for her, then it's not going to work. Whatever that safety plan looks like, whatever our idea of the best way moving forward is for her, maybe maybe none of that really matters and it's just her pets at home or, you know, making sure that her babies are fed and going to the same school every day and that kind of thing. So being mindful that yeah. it is what she, what she actually wants and what would benefit her in moving through her healing processes, I guess. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well said. Um, the self-care point, I think... Um, I've written this down actually. So I think we need to be self-care queens. Yeah. Um and and kings caring for self because um you know there's times that uh we'll we will need to hit that reset button because um this area this field of practice it's not it's not a pretty business, you know, it's mm. tough. It's so um yeah, I think that's um what we also need to do and you know whatever form that takes um do what you need to do but make sure that you're always um caring for self that's right and and it'll you know being uh in this profession what what it looks like to um just have a like you know burnout or whatever like it just it's just a word until you go through it and then you'll find yourself really 
identifying the signs long before the burnout even shows up. So then you know when to set those boundaries, you know when it's time to, you know, have a day off or take care and connect mm. back to what it is that lights you up and keeps you going, keeps you full. So it's it's uh, it, it's just a word until it really happens and then it's like, oh, self-care is actually one of the most important things we could do for ourselves. That's right, yeah. And quite often gets um, overlooked, mm -hmm. misunderstood, uh, misinterpreted. <laughs> um, so, yeah, just um, – but I think we need to be committed to ourselves as well, so. Mm. For that longevity. <laughs> That's right, For the, to be that deadly. What do I say? Long-distance runner there. Long-distance runner. It's a marathon. I know. I, yeah, I might need to go out and buy a new pair of um, running shoes yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so um yeah we our last point that we'd like to touch on is the cultural considerations so look i very much um upfront and adamant that violence was not our way we had um our l-o-r-e um, for each clan group had their different way of dealing with conflict and um, managing that um, amongst our people. So, um, yeah, it's – and I think people um, don't get that. Like um, I know that I've interacted – had some interactions with people and – they are under the understanding that, yeah, oh, okay, um, but, you know, that's your way there, mm, mm. you know. Um, you know, you drink and then you get violent. Mm. Uh, no, that was never our way. But we know that the impacts of colonisation um, has brought us here. So, Larissa, any um, cultural considerations? Uh, that was a good one with the... Um that it, it was never our way and, and if you know just looking into that it's uh looking at if this is you know the main perpetrator being the male in in these situations we we are still raising young men we are still raising men as women mm -hmm. and so it's still very important for us to show our sons our nephews mm -hmm. um what a good man looks like, a role model, even if it's their uncle or their granddad, you know, and nobody's perfect along the way, but they, they're showing those life lessons for our young Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander boys growing up into mm. men to take them through that initiation stage, whatever that looks like in today's, yeah. today's world. So, um, yes, it's a, it's a journey and, um, still have that care and compassion because, you know, hurt people hurt people. And so that, that person who's uh, perpetrating, uh, you know, coming from that perspective is they weren't equipped with the knowledge and the resources to be able to hold the space and go through that that emotional rollercoaster which causes for that family violence. Like, a, like I know yeah. a lot of family members who have gone through it and uh, we're all impacted greatly from one individual's hurt throughout the family line. Yeah, that, mm. 
That's right. Okay. Any final thoughts before we um, hit the stop record button? Time to use this platform as our next step into what, you know, what comes next and how we all connect on different platforms um, yes. in that heart-centered space of healing. That's right. I like that H word, that healing word. Mm. Well, thank you, everyone, for yes. listening to us. <laughs> yeah, ditto that. And um, Maybe they'll ask us to come it. back. <laughs> Maybe not. Possibly. Maybe we just edit that Maybe part not. out. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. So, all right. Yeah, thank you so much. That was great. Thanks for yarning. Thank Thanks, you. everybody. Jamie and Larissa are two women whose heavy conversation reminds us that violence is not the way of our First Nations people, and we all have a part to play in preventing and responding to gendered violence. The journey of the survivor of violence is often a marathon, and is likely to involve shame. If we are to help survivors on this journey, we must pay heed to care for ourselves. We hope you found this edition of The Bulb Enlightening. If you'd like to know more about our work, please visit noviolence.org.au.